there and thank you for tuning in for listening to the next episode of Mindset, Marketing and Money. This is episode five and I am Ed Marshall, Chartered Financial Planner, along with my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Jed Wiley. Hi, Ed. Digital Marketing Guru. How are you doing, Jed? (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Really, really good and excited about today's episode as well because taking on, moving on from the previous four episodes, we're looking here today at consumer behavior, looking at what it is that actually drives your clients and your customers when it comes to making decisions and perhaps trying to figure out how those buying patterns and decision-making processes have perhaps changed as a result of the pandemic. And as we move forward, as we see lockdown, perhaps drawing to an end or at least easing up. But not only that, but what you need to be doing within your business to make sure that you're ready and able to capitalize on that. Sounds like a pretty good agenda, Jed. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is, yes, this is an exciting topic for us to cover. We're going to, I think, probably start with the difference between need and want. And it's an interesting and subtle topic, actually, that doesn't, doesn't get much of an airing these days. And yet it is fundamental to us businesses and how we react to our customer base. To give you an example, very often we hear in corporate language the phrase, um, we will tailor this to your needs. And there's this natural implication that your needs are crucial to you. They're absolutely vital. I mean, you know, you, you, you go back to thinking about things like Maslow's you know, hierarchy of needs and you know, needs that we have to uh, satisfy are things like shelter and warmth and food and water and so on. So needs is a very, very powerful word that we use in our language. And it's why it gets picked up in the, in the corporate world and, and is used to indicate to our customer that this is something fundamental that they need. But interestingly, it never is the case, or very rarely is the case, that customers need what you have to offer. They want what you have to offer. And there's a very significant distinction between the two, isn't there, Ed? Yeah, I think that when you're looking at what it is that drives that decision-making process, do you just fundamentally need that particular item? Well, yes, you need electricity in your house. Yes, you might need a car in order to be able to get to work or to drive family around. You need to have food in the fridge and in the cupboards so that you can eat. But there are so many other things that we want. And as a society, I mean, first of all, we've redefined what poverty is. Let's be really clear about that. Uh, Our living standards and our expectations have increased exponentially over the decades. And we're in a situation now where need and want have become very, very confused. And hey, we're living in a wealthier world today. There's never been more money in the world than there is today. But getting back to figuring out what it is that I need and what it is that I want is fundamental because you've got to make sure that your business is ready to capitalize on that. Right, I don't know whether you can stitch this together, Jed, because I figured out what the noise is that I'm getting on my headphones from you, and it's your camera auto-focusing. And I think, and somehow I can hear like a click, click, click. It's like I can actually hear the lens focusing. Oh, okay. Don't worry about that because 
because the sound that's being recorded that goes on the podcast is the sound from my headset. So you won't... So I'm not hearing your headset. I'm no, hearing... you're hearing the webcam. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Now, I, have I, I just pulled things up, or do you want to start again? No, no, we'll, 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 we'll carry on, because I know, I know where, we, um, I know where we're, we're going to pick up from here. Okay, okay let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, all right. That's a very interesting point, Ed. That really is. And what you said about our needs um, was, was fascinating, actually, because, of course, yes, we do need all of these very important, you know, critical things to our existence, as you say, electricity, water, food in the fridge, and so on. But if you look at that as being an overall need and the resultant want that we have from that is, is the choice that is available within that need. So we have choices over which electricity provider we can choose. We have choices over the food that we put in our fridge. And you know anybody with money in their pocket has the ability to make a buying decision and they make those decisions based on their preferences. So you know you need a sofa, but which one? You know, it's, it's determined by taste, by color, by personal choice. You need a new TV. Do you want a big fancy one, a little one? Do you want surround sound, 4K, 3D? You know, there are all of these, these variations underneath that main heading of need that actually are wants. You yeah. know, well, I'm, take a look at this from a... I mean, if you think back to the days of Henry Ford, okay? You want to buy a car. You can have any car as long as it's black. You had no choice, but this is a capitalist society. Cars are available if you can afford one go buy one. Now you've got all the choice in the world from the cheapest to the very most expensive. But look at this from another standpoint as well, though. Look at this from, say, capitalism versus socialism, because you can today still live in a society where you have no choice and life is simply all about satisfying or trying to satisfy those needs. Whereas we live in a society where Everything should be in, in abundance. You know, if you have an abundance mindset, then you believe that there is everything in the world that everybody needs. And capitalism is same, and you can buy whatever version of that you want from satisfying a need to going right the way up to satisfying uh, a want. You know, I need a car to get me from A to B. I want that to be a Bentley, which, however it is that you want to look at it. So if we're going to look at what it is that you're offering within your business, are you actually simply supplying an essential need, performing a critical function, or are you supplying something that is far more discretionary and is actually a want? Well, but in your client's eyes, in your customer's eyes, they might be seeing that as a need. I mean, that might be a very black and white decision for them. I cannot live without this. Well, actually, you could, but you choose not to. Yeah, and I th think that's, that's right. It's, it's about, even if you have a need that you need to satisfy within that, and particularly within the, the capitalist arrangement, there is choice. And it's the choice which enables you to determine your, um, what you end up with, and that is determined by a want. Because even if you are, let's say, um, an electricity company, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get 100% of the market share because you've got competitors out there and they're offering slightly different things and they're offering um, 
different technologies and some of them may be differentiating themselves because it's green energy, others may be uh, differentiating purely on price, some will be differentiating on the tech that you can get to monitor your electricity account or the, the, the ease of use of being able to just get your, um, your electricity and punch it into an app and off you go, that, that tells you how much uh, you owe them. So there are all these points of differentiation under that primary headline of I need electricity. And Okay, so that differentiation that you've got, there's a reason why all of those businesses are going to be approaching it from a different angle, why there are so many different electricity companies with their own differentiators or USPs. And that's going to be based upon the values of the business by the objectives that they've got, because the business isn't looking to be all things to all people. What it's saying is, this is our view of the world. This is how we believe electricity should be supplied. And therefore, by that sheer approach, they are going to have their own version of their ideal client. So they're not going to take 100% market share because A, there's choice, but B, clients are naturally, clients and customers are naturally going to gravitate to the business, to the company, to the provider that speaks most effectively to them in line with their values. So somebody who's, whose main objective is not price is not going to be hooked in by the provider saying that they are the cheapest. But if that person, if their priority is renewable green energy because their values are all about protecting the world and the environment, they are going to be more interested in the provider that says, hey, we provide you 100% energy from renewable sources. Yeah, that is such a fascinating point, isn't it? That you have business objectives which are mirrored, in a sense, by the, the customer. So where there is this alignment of what the customer wants and what the business wants in terms of its objectives, you know, that's where you get um, a, a, a great combination and, and a, you know, a great business because your customers buy into your values. They buy into, literally, they're buying into what you believe in, your objectives. And that's, that's key for any business to understand because... Very often in marketing, you know, we are looking at things um, from the perspective of the customer. And it is important to step back on the odd occasion and say, well, actually, what are our own company values here? You know, what's, what's important to us? You know, what is, the, what is the want from our perspective? And not just to see that in cynical terms of, well, how can we get more customers, but to actually have that as part of the belief system which is knitted into the objectives and the goals and the culture within that within that company. Yeah, yeah, you're going back to your why. You're going back to your values. You're going back to your why. And then if that is embedded within your business in every aspect of how you do business, in every procedure, in every process, if you embed that in the process for how you recruit your team around you as well, you're only employing people that share the same values, then you are by definition going to end up delivering that and that's going to resonate with your clients. But of course, you've got to be effectively communicating it as well. It's all very well having this business that's completely in harmony and in line with a set of values and you've got a great product for all of those customers out there that love those values that, that reflects the window of how they view the world. But if you're not telling people about it effectively, you're not going to shift a single unit you're not going to sell a single kilowatt. You're going to be stuck in the mud. Exactly. And 
there's a component here which is relating to brand alignment. That once you start communicating your brand and you start communicating your values and your objectives in order to get those sales, in order to attract and magnetize your uh, your your um, perfect customer, if you like, that you end up with um, a, a really strong bond between you and your your customer base. And it's an honest bond. It's one of integrity as well. And that is a, that's a, a sometimes quite a difficult thing to convey in the communication because it actually is quite complicated. And so it's, it's important for us as business owners to be able to simplify the brand message in such a way so that we can synthesize out to our customers just the key elements. And those key elements then become the points of differentiation which people can hook onto and say, oh, I like that. I like the fact that that electricity provider is, is providing predominantly green energy and that's their thing. And I can buy into that because ideologically I'm keyed into it too. And there you go. Now, you know, you're starting to grow and build your, your customer base through the communications and through brand alignment as well. And, and you need consistency in all of this, don't you? Because it's not just about having a consistent set of values. Oh, for sure. It's about being able to consistently communicate those values so that you then don't send out conflicting messages because you've got to be reliable. You've got to be the face that people just know to go, hey, you know what? I know what that company stands for because they keep on telling me the same thing again and again. And I get it. I mean, the whole principle that you've got to hear something seven times before you actually remember it uh, and believe it is uh, is staggering. And that's not giving a different message seven times. That's giving the same message seven times. Yeah. Well, this is that's actually Jay Conrad Levinson was the was the master of that. I think he he did the research on this on the seven touch points that you've got to have with the customer. And I was on a um, a seminar with him, um, a call. A few years ago, he's sadly lost to us now, but he, but he, was, a, he was a great um, orator. And he talked about the seven touch points. And he said, you know, back in the day, in the, in the 80s, when he wrote Guerrilla Marketing, you know, that was, the, that was the, the, the result of the research. But since then, he discovered that, that if you're going to have seven messages, you need to have those seven messages repeated three times each. So it becomes 21 messages in total before somebody can progress from who are you to knowing a little bit more about you to understanding what you do to acceptance of what you do to enjoyment of it and finally to actually buying from you. And that's a long, long process. And lots of companies give up long before they get to that 21. I mean, they give up before seven. Most of the time, companies put out an advert and hope to God that that actually results in uh, a sale. And that's just one communication. They don't realize that, that in order to create a body of customers who are engaged with your values, who are engaged with you as, a, as an organization and what you believe in, that you've got to have many more communications than that. Because as I said earlier, you know, it's, a, it's about that the subtlety of that communication. There's a lot to convey when you're looking at your overall business objectives and trying to marry those in with your customers. And this is all about need and want. Because... And with the market... Sorry, Jed. No, no. It, I, was just gonna, I was just going to add that, that, that 
we believe, going back to the point right at the top of the show, we believe that people need our services. They don't need our services. They want our services. How do we create desire? Because need is necessity, and whereas want is desire. And that's the key thing for us in all of this communication, to be able to convey through 21 communications a sense of desire about what we do and for them to connect with our values at the other end. So it all kind of forms a nice linear package of understanding that the customer steps through. Yeah, and let's put this into perspective, okay? Let's figure out just how easy the pickings are out there because a lot of your competitors, they do all of this on an ad hoc basis. They don't get the 21 messages if you're trying to get three individual messages out there. That's not going to be something that they understand, okay? And let's face it, a lot of marketing carried out by a lot of businesses, a lot of their communications, it's by somebody who isn't experienced, by somebody who doesn't have the knowledge or the qualifications or the experience in order to be able to deliver that effectively. It's either being done by the business owner or it's being done by somebody in-house who's been given the marketing label but doesn't have the in-depth knowledge and experience that's needed. So by having a structured plan, by being able to get back to your roots, by being able to figure out what it is you need to communicate and by having a structured, consistent plan that is going to deliver that, you can literally go streets ahead in terms of your communication and your marketing. It doesn't have to be difficult, but what you need is accountability and you need a plan and you need to stick to that plan. And you need to know that that plan is grounded in psychology and science and ultimately the values of your business. Yeah, that's, that's it. I spend a lot of time with customers going over this exact ground with them because it's very easy to to look at what you do and go, oh, well, you know, we're a coffee shop, we sell coffee, all right, let's put a promotion out that talks about coffee, um, that sells that, you know, that we're doing it for 20% off. And very often, that's, we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but, but, but when companies are devoid of ideas around communication and around sales, they often fall back on this um, idea that they're just, well, let's just, you know, drop the price because that will incentivize people. And that's the only point of differentiation that we can find. And yet, if you look at the values within your business, you look what you believe in and what's important to you, and you start to convey that to people, you create a much, much stronger bond than you ever could by simply saying, well, take pity on us because we're giving you 50% off this particular product and hopefully you'll like it as a result. And, you know, it's, and that's, that's the only weapon in your armory. Whereas, but it's simple. That's the problem with it. It's simple and easy. And people love to short circuit hard work and effort for what they hope will be quick returns at the end. Now, there is no such thing as, as that. You, know, you have to work hard with your, with your customers. You have to get them on board. And that takes time and care and a lot of thought. And yeah, you can you can circumvent that and say, well, let's just you know let's just drop thirty percent off the price, and they'll they'll be incentivized to come through the door, but they won't be incentivized to come back. Creating value in someone's mind and creating a, a sense of bond between you and them is much more sophisticated. It requires you to explain why they need to come to your coffee shop. It's because we have, it's because we have, you know, organic coffee. It's because 
the coffee is the best that you will taste. And that's our that's our raison d'etre. We believe that you know this is this is the finest cup of coffee that you will that you will ever experience. And our cakes are out of this world, and that's because they're homemade. All of these things that you take for granted in your business then become preeminent to the, the consumer because they get that as well. Yeah, we go to this coffee shop because, you know, we're doing good. And by the way, the cakes are incredible. That's a far more compelling um, marketing message than, than just come visit us because, you know, we're here and we're cheaper. Yeah. And, and if we look at the opportunities that are available at the moment, I mean, here in the UK, uh, we've got businesses left, right and centre applying for bounce back loans. There's never been more money in the economy. We've got businesses applying for loans. We've got a big chunk of the population who have been on furlough, who haven't been spending anything during lockdown. And they're coming out of this with more money in the bank than they had on the way in. That's notwithstanding the fact that certain sections of society, certain individuals, certain businesses haven't qualified for help and reliefs. They've been missed. And they're in tough times. But the larger section of the economy has got more money in it than it had coming into coronavirus. And so we've got businesses that have got access to cash and who are not necessarily going to be spending it in the right ways. They are going to be making short-term decisions based on fear and they are not going to be looking at how they can invest time and money into their business so that they do emerge from this way stronger on the way out than they were on the way in. Because you're not measuring success by the balance in the bank. You're measuring success by what you actually do with it. And what are our options available to us here? I mean, first of all, Jed, you've, you've, you've got to know your numbers. You've got to know where you are with your business. Because if you've got all these ideas and you want to put that marketing strategy into place, you've got to be able to measure a, what the cost is going to be, and B, what the outcome is going to be. What is your return on investment going to be? Bearing in mind, you can have a bit of a lag. You, know, you shouldn't expect, you can't expect to just simply put a communication out there and go, oh, that was easy. Because otherwise, the consistency and the get rich quick would just be the way for you. You wouldn't need consistency. Yeah, that's, that's right. You have to measure these things and you have to be looking to try and get hard numbers, objective facts out of what you've done and that's the essence of of good marketing that underpinning everything that you do is a way of analyzing the result getting data back that tells you how it went but when we talk about um, the need and the want kind of um, almost almost as as a, a kind of conjoined um, thinking, a concept, if you like, we have to remember that what is driving people to desire, to want something from you, is an entirely emotional response. And this is sort of what we've been talking about a little bit around, around the, you know, the electricity company example that we've, that we've been giving. Because we like to believe that we're rational people when we make buying decisions. I mean, if you were to ask Richard Branson why he started Virgin Atlantic, I bet you he could pull out a huge report. Ask Elon Musk the same question, and he'd give you the investment report. Or ask Zuckerberg you know, where Facebook will be in five years. He'll give you a cool-headed, logical, reasoned answer. And because nobody wants to look like they're guessing their way through business life or life in general, 
We want to appear that our head rules our heart, when in actual fact, all of our buying decisions, all of our desires are entirely emotional. That's where they come from. They come from your heart. They don't come from your head. Your desires, your wants come from there. And so when we are selling to people, when we are differentiating our business, we have to focus on the want, i.e. the heart, and the emotional context of what it is that we're offering first, and then focus on the head second. Because just as an example, if, you know, for anybody that's bought a house, you'll know that when you walk into your, into your house-to-be, you know whether it's perfect or not. You know that this is, the, oh, wow, this is, the, this is the place that we want to be. This is perfect for the family. You know, I, I just felt comfortable here. And then you walk away, and then you have conversations with people that rationalize the reasoning behind it. They say, well, yes, but it was, we've got space to grow, and there's a, there's a big garden, and, uh, you know, it's got a study room in it. And those are all rationalizations, but actually the decision has been made long before you get to that point. It's been made in your heart when you walk through the door and you went, yep, this is the one for us. It's, and strangely, it's the weird thing here, is that the higher ticket item it is, the more likely it is that it's a, that it's a, a desire-based purchase. If you're going to go out and buy a yacht, you look at it and go, that's the yacht I want. You don't measure up the specs. And, you know, well, you do afterwards, but you look at it and you go, yeah, I want that. You know, why do I want a Lamborghini? There isn't a rational reason why I'd want a Lamborghini. Um, anybody that wants to give me a Lamborghini would be, you know, they'd be more than welcome to. I would <laughs> happily accept that, right? But, but there is no reason why I need it. I don't need one. And I'm not. Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process behind this as well. And that's when we're often buying these big ticket luxury items. It's not because we've saved the money in the bank and we're then going to go write the check it's because there's going to be a pretty big element of credit involved as well. And the simple human psychology of it feels easier for us to spend other people's money on getting that sort of short-term fix from having purchased that big ticket item and we'll worry about the servicing of it, the cost of it later on. And uh, we, get, we get very carried away with those decisions uh, at times. More coming back to the, the want rather than, uh, than the need. And, and if you're going to be communicating with your customers, you want them to be making great decisions based upon what's important to them. And you don't want them to, them to regret. You don't want them to regret that decision either. You want them to know 100% of the time that they made the right choice, the right decision buying that product, that service from you. It's what we strive for as chartered financial planners to make sure that our clients are ideal clients, that they are financial delegators, that they do value what it is that we provide. And they always have a level 10 confidence in everything that we're going to do for them from the outset right the way through. And that's what you've got to be looking to achieve. That's what you want to be achieving with your business, whether it's a product, whether it's a service. And you've got to be excited about continuing to be able to serve those ideal clients as well. Because if you're servicing non-ideal customers, customers that don't resonate with your values, that don't actually appreciate what you do, that maybe your values are conflicted, then you're not going to get the pleasure and you're not going to have that excitement about looking after them. And in turn, not have that excitement about communicating with them either. Yeah, and that's exactly why it's so critical to focus on the emotional content of what it is that you deliver the desire that is being created by you engaging with somebody else um, and, and your product or service. It's so important to do that because 
That's what's going to create the bond. That's what's going to establish the want. And ultimately, as, as we've discussed, it aligns with your, if it, if it aligns with your uh, corporate values and what you believe in, you will naturally do right by the customer. That just happens by default. But, but focusing on the emotions is so important because that's where, that's where the decision is made. You know, so somebody may, um, may be in a terrible state with their plumbing, for example. Um, and as a plumber, the, you can obviously solve the problem. I mean, you know, most plumbers could solve most basic problems in, in houses. But what's the emotional kind of quality that's, that's, that's uh, of that that the customer is experiencing? And they're worried about damage to their house. That's, what, that's what's driving them. It's not that they have a plumbing problem. It's the damage to the house that's the emotional content. Or, or for example, take a vet. You know, what's the, what's the emotional driver for why we would want uh, pets to visit vets and be looked after, and that's because you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose your loved pet, or you know, or what's the, the emotional resonance around a solicitor? What the service that they provide isn't a legal service, really. What they're doing is they're stopping the financial implications of breaking the law or being taken to court or ending up in prison. So, the, so each one of these examples has an emotional content first that is the driver. And then, a, uh, and then a, a practical, if you like, head-based decision, as secondarily. Yes, and, and, different, and those businesses will then also have different subsets uh, in terms of their ideal clients on that. So a, a law firm may not be interested in criminal defense at all. They may be all about matrimonial issues. Okay, so if they're matrimonial issues, are they pitching in at, the, at those couples with a low budget, or with a high budget that just simply want to get it through the courts and get something that feels all right, or they're going to fight for every every last penny, or it's a complex case. Same thing with the property transactions as well. There are there's so many. Where are you in your marketplace? It's not just about the service. It's where you are in your marketplace. Exactly. One book I'm going to recommend off the back of this as well. If you really want to understand what it is that makes companies great, Good to Great by Jim Collins. That will help you to understand what it is that have made some of the world's most successful companies number one in their particular industry. Yeah, that's a fab recommendation. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a great book. So that's drawing us to a close for episode number five, Jed. It certainly is. I hope that you folks out there have, have enjoyed this, uh, this, this discussion that we've been having. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fascinating one. And if you can take some practical actions from this, it would be to... Think about your corporate values and how they can be aligned to your perfect customer. To focus on repeated communications of what you believe in, of what makes you different, of why people should come to you. Because it's through repetition that people start to understand more about your business and it will be more inclined as a consequence to actually buy from you. To understand that difference between need and want and not get trapped thinking that people need your need what you uh, what you're you're providing but to focus on the desire and the desire comes from the heart it is an emotional response first and then secondarily a rational response after that 
Plenty of action points there, Jed. Plenty for us to get our teeth stuck into before the next episode of our fantastic podcast, Mindset, Marketing and Money. So we're going to be back together again in about a fortnight's time. Yep, that's the plan. Yes, so we'll uh, hope to see... Uh, well, see, we won't be seeing anybody. This is a podcast, Jed. This is radio. But <laughs> maybe we should video these. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. And yeah, hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Thank you very much for, uh, for listening. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And we shall see you very soon. Hear from you. We shall Cheers, hear Jen. from you very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Take care, y'all. Thank you. Bye-bye.